Well, we are. We're in this series um, about being disciples, making disciples, going through the book of Acts, a series called Ignite. Um, as we look at how really the church was formed and how it grew. I mean, really, it came from nothing and then it spread across the continent and eventually spread all over the world. And so we're, we're looking at the stories that took place as the book of Acts played out. And specifically, um, you know, we're in the second half of Acts, we're seeing Paul... Because he's gone across Turkey, he's gone into Macedonia, he's gone into Greece. And we're looking at these lessons saying, hey, what did Paul do? How was Paul used by God um, to, to have the church spread? And how did churches sort of spawn up? And then how did they grow and develop? And Paul left? How did all this happen? And we want to look at that because, because we're in that same train of people. We're in the train of people. We're the disciples of Christ who have been called to be disciples. In other words, to, 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 to follow Christ. And to also make disciples. All of us are. Not if you have a seminary degree or if you've been a believer in Sunday school or if you've taught classes. No, 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 no. Every one of us who are followers of Christ are called to also make disciples. And what that means is, is to influence people for Christ. That may be some people who do not know Christ. It may be others who do and, and need to grow. It, 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 it may be those who are, who are along the way and, and you sort of learning together. But there's this reality that all of us are to pursue Christ and all of us are to make disciples. We're supposed to foster that in our life and in the lives of others. And so what we're doing is we're looking at the book of Acts and saying, what lessons can we learn from the book of Acts to help us to do that? Because really, we want to read the Bible and what took place in the book of Acts happened, but it's also what happens today. God speaks to us about how he acted in those times so we can also see what he does and desires to work in and through us in this time. And so we're looking at the examples of Paul to do that. And so... How about today? I asked the question in the greeting time is what's something that you quit? And we've all quit all sorts of things. And some things we're supposed to quit. You know, I talked about me. I've, I've quit, you know, I quit some stuff I wish I wouldn't have quit. Um, <clears throat> I've quit, my, I've noticed my parents just walked in. Uh, I quit playing, they, 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 they graciously let me quit playing piano when I was in violin in high school. And I, you know, yeah, you know, I told them I'd never thank them for making me play. And I, of course, went back and had to say thank you for making me play. Um, so there's things that you quit that you wish you hadn't quit. There's other stuff you quit, like, man, I sure am glad I stopped that because that just wasn't the right thing for me. So today we're going to look at the example of Paul um, and how he had this vision. God had told him what he was supposed to do. Actually, he's supposed to go to Jerusalem. And, 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 and like last week, we read a passage in... And this didn't stay open. Let me see if I can get my... Oh, it folded down a page. That's probably not a good thing. Oh, that's okay. Um, and, and last week, we were, we were talking about how Paul was in Ephesus. He, he met the, the leaders from Ephesus in Miletus. And he told them, he said, you know, and compelled by the Spirit, I am going to, to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city... The Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. So Paul knows he's supposed to go to Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit's made it clear to him, hey, you're supposed to go to Jerusalem. This is what you're supposed to do. And the Holy Spirit's made it clear to him that it's going to be hard. That there are hardships every step of the way. And that when he gets there, he doesn't know what's going to happen, but it's not going to be good. Okay? So, so, so Paul is told to do something that is going to be hard and difficult and, and, and the question is, is he going to do it? And so what we're going to do today is, today the chapter is in chapter 21, it's Paul going from, you know, where he is, getting to Jerusalem. And what he encounters on the way is he's trying to get there. And what might be interesting is, is, is what, is, I'm going to read the text, and notice actually who is trying to dissuade him from going to Jerusalem. Okay, so I'm going to read it. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's like, this is like, you know, 
Um, if there's a travel show, this is a travel show. I mean, they're like cruising down the coast of Turkey. I mean, it's so sweet. The Aegean side popping through. You're going past Cheshme, which is a modern resort town. You're going hooking around the corner just past Ephesus. You're going down, you're swinging, passing Antalya on your left, ending up on Caesarea on the coast. Great resort city. It wasn't that nice when Paul was going through. But that's where he's going. So we're doing a travel tour of the Aegean down the southern coast of Turkey to Israel. But it's not a pleasure cruise because Paul is going to hardship. And so the point we're getting today is that that God calls us to do things, and, and, and He actually he, he leads us directions. And our, our job is to pursue God's call, even in the face of hardship. Put another way, God calls and empowers us to do hard things, and we need to do them. And it's worth it. Okay, so the main point, we pursue God's call, even in the face of hardship. So we'll see that as we look at how Paul, what, uh, Paul's process of getting down in Jerusalem. He doesn't know what's facing him, but he knows it's going to be hard. Now when I read it, notice the things he encounters, and look at who tries to dissuade him from getting to Jerusalem. Okay, so I'm going to read chapter 20, verses 1. I'm sorry, not chapter 20, that was last week. Chapter 21, <clears throat> verses 1 to 26. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. We're going to 1 to 26. And notice how Paul's on his way and what happens as he goes. Now, also just so you guys know, we're also going to be doing celebrating the Lord's Supper today. And I, I want to apologize to you guys. It's been way too long since we celebrated the Lord's Supper. And so we're going to try to get on a more regular pattern of that. But today we're also going to take some time today to celebrate the Lord's Supper. So we're going to walk through this passage, and then we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper today. And, and, and we're going to celebrate that in the framework. So I'm going to sort of, just, I'm going to sort of unfold it all right now. As we look at the passage, we're going to look about, hey, we need to obey God's call, even in the face of hardship. And we're going to be so thankful that that's what our Savior did for us. He was sent by the Father to come here and to live a life and to give His life for us to accomplish our salvation. To go to the cross knowing fully He was going to be crucified. And yet He did for us. So He's the model for us. So even as we look at this example, we look at Paul and see what he does... And we're going to look and we're going to ask ourselves, Hey God, is there something hard you're asking me to do? Is there something hard that you're asking me to step up and do that, I, that I, I'm tempted to quit? And we're going to ask that. And then we're also going to have a time of reflection. We're going to go, Oh man, Jesus, I'm so thankful that you didn't quit. That the Father gave you a task that was unimaginable. Not only to die a cruel death, but to bear the weight of sin of the world. And you obeyed your Father and did that. Thank you. And we're going to celebrate that today by taking communion and celebrating the Lord's Supper. So that's where we're going today. Okay, so, but if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Acts 21 or you can read on the screen. And we're going to read um, verses 1 to 26 and we'll go back through and we'll talk through it. Um, but if you remember, Paul has just been with the, the elders of the Ephesian church, the church out of Ephesus. He didn't meet them in Ephesus, he met them in Miletus because he didn't want to get all caught up in every, all the churches where he'd spent three years and knew so many people. He says, hey, just elders, I'm going to go down the coast a little bit, you meet me there, I'll say goodbye. And then I've got to get to Jerusalem. I'm on the way to Jerusalem because God has something for me. It's going to be hard, but that's where I've got to go. So here we are, chapter 21. It says, After we torn ourselves away from them, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Kos. The next day, to Rhodes. And from there, to Patera. We found a ship crossing over to Phoenicia, went aboard, and set sail. After sighting Cyprus and passing to the south of it, we sailed on to Syria. We landed at Tyre where our ship was to unload its cargo. We sought out the disciples there and stayed with them seven days. 
through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. When it was time to leave, we left and continued on our way. All of them, including wives and children, accompanied us out of the city. And there on the beach, they knelt to pray. After saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the ship and they returned home. We continued our voyage from Tyre and landed at Ptolemais, where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, The Holy Spirit says, In this way the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, The Lord's will be done. After this, we started on our way up to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples from Caesarea accompanied us and brought us to the home of Manasseh, where we were to stay. He was a man from Cyprus and one of the early disciples. When we arrived at Jerusalem, the brothers and sisters received us warmly. The next day, Paul and the rest of us went to see James and all the elders were present. Paul greeted them and reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. When they heard this, they praised God. Then they said to Paul, You see, brother, how many thousands of Jews have believed, and all of them are zealous for the law. They've informed that you teach all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn away from Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or live according to our customs. What shall we do? They'll certainly hear you've come. So do what we tell you. There are four men with us who have made a vow. Take these men, join their purification rites, pay their expenses, so that they can have their heads shaved. Then everyone will know that there is no truth in these reports about you, but that you yourself are living in obedience to the law. As for the Gentile believers, we have written them our decision that they should abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, the meat of strangled animals, and sexual immorality. And immorality. The next day, Paul took the men and purified himself along with them. Then he went to the temple to give notice of the date when the days of purification would end, and the offering would be made for each of them. So you can see in the story, it's sort of broken up in three segments. The first segment, he goes and visits one group of people on his way, and then he goes to visit another group of people on his way, and then he gets there. And then when he gets there, he reports what God has been doing all among his work in, you know, in Turkey and Macedonia and Greece. And then there's sort of an issue going on in Jerusalem. So, I, so, so really what's taking place is in, the, in these two encounters that Paul has, in the first one, you know, the, the guys say that they try to urge him in the spirit not to go to Jerusalem. And the second one, they strongly say, <clears throat> you know, please don't go to Jerusalem. And he goes. And, and then in the third encounter, he's there. And, and, and he's asked to do something, and he does. Okay, so what we're going to walk through is that in this scenario, Paul has been told what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to go to Jerusalem, and hardships awaiting him. And he's not going to let himself be dissuaded. And so he, obey, he, he obeys the Lord and does that, does that, does that. He gets to Jerusalem, and there's an issue going on. He gets there, and all of a sudden, the, the, the church, they're excited about God's doing among the Gentiles, but all these Jews have come to faith. And when they came to faith, they're like, hey, we are Jews 100%. And we're followers of Christ. We embrace, we welcome all the Jewish traditions, and we see Jesus as the fulfillment of that. And so they're excited about doing all their Jewishness, 
and following Jesus. But there's been these rumors going around that Paul, he's, these guys working with all these Gentiles, and Paul just says all this Jewish stuff is wrong, and da 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 And they say, Paul, could you, would you, join in with some other Jews, do these purification rites, so that they know that you're not saying it's wrong for Jews to do these things. That Jews don't have to become non-Jews to become Christians. You know, and what does Paul do? Paul submits. He goes, okay. And he does that. So we have these two stories. We have these two stories where Paul's asked by people to do something, and he says, uh-uh. We have this other story where Paul's asked to do something, and he says, okay, I will. So, I, I, so in each of those circumstances, you know, what, what, what Paul is having to do is he's having to say, hey, God, what would you have of me? And I, I'm going to spend most of our time on those first two stories. And the last one I just, want to, I just want to reference. What Paul says is, when Paul says elsewhere, he says, I'm going to become all things to all men so that by some means I may you know, save some. You know, Paul is comfortable being a Gentile among Gentiles and a Jew among Jews. Also that Jesus will be honored. He says, hey, yeah, I am a Jew. I'm in Jerusalem. I'm going to do what you ask. You're the leadership in Jerusalem. I'm going to submit to you. And he does that. Okay? And so, so, so that's one thing. I'm going to sort of set that aside, but that, that sort of sets the stage for what happens next week um, in the story. Um, because it's all based on Paul with some other Jews following Jewish customs that they think actually Paul is doing something wrong. It's, it's, but that, that'll come next week. But, but I'm going to sort of set that aside. So, so on the one hand, Paul submits to the authority and, and does for unity even beyond what he needs to do. He, goes, he, he, go, he participates in these rituals, which are not sinful, but they're not required. He does it, hey, just for the sake of unity. But the part I want to focus on are the first two encounters. So Paul's zipping through the first town. So I'm going to hop back in the passage. So Paul, in the first verses, jump to verse 1, he's torn himself away, he's set out to sea, he's sailing down the coast. Oh! Can you grab my little pointer thing? It's in my... I, I, Timothy, thank you so much. Um, <clears throat> but basically, if you remember, um, Paul has... has it's, it's in the... He's, he's very capable. Um, <clears throat> when, when Paul started off in Antioch, and he started there on this journey, this, this, is, his, this is his third journey. He started off in Antioch, and he went inland. Um, thank you so much. And he went inland, and so I'm just going to do it real quick. So boom, he came here, he's gone to inner Turkey, Derby, Iconium, this is all the churches he's been before. He zipped up all the way around the coast, up here, crossed over to Macedonia, down into Greece. And he actually spent three years in Ephesus on this side, two years in Corinth on this side. And now he's coming back, and this time he's sailing back. He's like, woo doo 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 boom and then, and then he came down here to Miletus. He skipped Ephesus, which is right up here. And now, the rest of the time, he's sailing down the coast, getting ready to go to Tyre. Um, and then eventually he'll zip down to Jerusalem, which is right around here on the Black Wall. Okay. And so, so, so just so you see what he's doing, that's what Paul's doing. He's getting back to Jerusalem um, to report to the church what is taking place. And he's most likely also carrying an offering with him from the churches. Okay. So, so Paul's sailing down, and he says, we... we we, we sought out the disciples there and stayed with them for seven days. It says, And through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Now, what does that mean? How can they, through the Spirit, urge Paul something to do that the Spirit has told him not to do? You know, they told him, the Spirit said go to Jerusalem. They're like, so, so it's a little confusing. Well, all we can sort of imagine is that, 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 that in a gracious way, out of concern for Paul, they're saying, you know, please consider, please don't do this. You know, you know it's not like they're, they're, they're in a sinful way saying, you know, you're a jerk, you're a la la la. They're just saying, you know, potentially they could be saying things like, Paul, you know, think of all your ministry, think of all the places you could be going, think of all the other things you could be doing. But think, think of all that you could have. You know, please, you know, prayerfully consider not going to Jerusalem. You know, just don't go to Jerusalem because it's hard and we don't know what's in front of you and, and there's got to be something else. 
And, and, and Paul just, he goes on. And so they, they, the whole town comes out and they pray with him. And then he goes on, it says he continued down to Tyre and Ptolemais and etc., etc. And he gets down to, to verse 10. It says, after he'd been there a number of days, the prophet Agabus comes down and he comes over and he takes Paul's belt. I mean, this is great. I'm not going to do it here. But he takes Paul's belt and, and, and he ties his own hands and binds himself and says, the owner of this belt, this is what's going to happen in Jerusalem. He's just further affirming. He's saying, look, when, when you get there, you're going to be taken by the Jewish leaders. They're going to hand you over to those mean, evil Gentiles. And, you know, this is going to be awful. It's going to be awful. And, and look what everybody says. They said, when we heard this, we and the people pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. We pleaded with him. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. We would not be dissuaded. He gave, we gave up. And we said, the Lord's will be done. And then they start on their trip. So I just want to say that there, there are things that God calls us to do that are going to be hard. And hard things are what? They're hard. That's why they're called hard. Okay? They're, they're difficult. They take effort. They take stress. And we all have these kind of things in our lives. We have it at work, we have it at school, we have it in relationships. We have things that are hard and yet need to be done. And God sometimes calls us to do hard things. It's funny. We, I know I, I'm someone who goes towards comfort. I go towards ease. I go towards, you know, a, a path of least resistance. And that's, that's, that's good. I mean, we're not supposed to, just for no reason, make life hard. You know, j- just, just to be, to have this martyr syndrome. Oh, I've got to make life so hard. You know, some people just like, they always seem like there's something wrong. You know? But on the other hand, there are things that if we want to accomplish, it's going to be hard. You know, if you want to be a good student in school, you're probably going to have to study. And studying is not easy. It's not easy in first grade. It's not easy in second grade. It's not easy in third grade, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. It gets, I mean, middle school gets pretty challenging. High school, oh my goodness, you actually got to start studying maybe a little more than the night before. Then you get to college and then no one's like actually like on you all the time. And, and you have all the freedom. And it's, and it's even harder. You know, you know what, in sports... You know, it actually takes effort to build muscle. It takes effort to get memory in your muscle, muscle memory, so that you do something the same every time. It takes effort. It takes effort to be a good cook. It does. It takes effort to be a good parent. It takes effort to be a good employee. There are things that we do that are hard, that take hard work, right? Sometimes God calls us to do things that take hard work. See, God could snap his fingers and do anything. But for some reason, he desires to work through people. And some of what he does is difficult. Some of what he wants to take place requires sacrifice. Requires effort. Requires diligence. And that's what he calls us to do. 
here you have Paul, he's on his way to Jerusalem. And with all good intentions, people are saying, just don't go. Just don't go. Paul says, I gotta go. Because God has something for me to do in Jerusalem. And I just want to ask us all just to consider for a minute. Is <laughs> I mean, honestly, let me tell you, I'm gonna phrase this a little bit in an awkward way. Is it if you don't sense God asking you to do something hard, are you okay with that? Are you comfortable with that? Are you comfortable with this idea that maybe, you know, I mean, in reality, I think God desires for all of us to be growing and learning and to be accomplishing things for Him. And He sets things out for us to do. And I sometimes think, if we're not actually hearing something hard in front of us, then we're actually not listening. I mean, do we live in a world where everything's great? Do we live in a world where people know about God? Do we live in a world where people feel loved and accepted? Do we live in a world where people realize that God has offered forgiveness and salvation? Do we live in a world where God says, any of you come to me now and I will give you grace and peace and forgiveness? Is that the world we live in? No. But God desires for us to be a part of His working in this world. Extending the grace of God. Extending the love of God. Serving those around us. And it's going to take effort. And people around us may say, well, just don't worry about it. It'll, it'll be okay. You don't really need to step out. You don't really need to be uncomfortable. I beg to differ. I think God has things for us to do. God has difficult steps for us to take as He is unfolding His plan and His kingdom around this world. And he engages us in that. So today, I just want us to pause and think. What hard thing in your life is God asking you to do? What hard thing in your life is God asking you to do? Now, it, it may be taking the step of saying, Hey God, I'm actually going to put my faith in you. I'm not going to trust in myself for my salvation. I'm not going to think I've got the plan and this all figured out. I'm actually going to put my faith in you and believe that you did send your son to die on the cross for me. And I'm going to stop playing this game. And I'm going to put my faith in you. And that's hard. Because I like being in control. Or maybe today you're walking with Christ and you realize there's some things in your life that you need to cut out. And it's going to be hard. It's going to take some humility. It's going to take some transparency. It's going to take some accountability. But just sitting there and saying, Oh God, please help me. Oh God, please help me. Oh, I read an illustration of a book this week. It was great. This guy came to his office. He goes, Oh man, I just committed an affair and I'm so mad at God. The guy's like, Why are you mad at God? Because I prayed and asked him not to let me do it. And I did it. He's like, You've got to be kidding me. What are you talking about? But some of us are the same way. We say, Oh God, please help me, help me. And we do squat. We do squat. Okay, so imagine this. Oh God, oh God. Please help my iPad not to fall. Oh God, please help my iPad not to fall. Oh God, please help my iPad not to fall. Oh God, please help my iPad not to fall. Oh God, please help my iPad not to fall. Oops! God, why'd you let my iPad fall? Well, we do that in our lives. We don't do the hard work of doing the things that we need to do to obey God, to set the patterns and the habits, 
if you're asking by a spiritual leader, and we say, oh, oh God, you didn't do it for me. Oh. We need to step up. We need to obey Him. We need to do the hard things. So maybe that's where we are. Maybe it's something we need to stop. Or maybe it's something we need to start doing. Maybe it's something we need to say, hey God, I'm going to spend time here. I realize that man, there's only so much stuff in my head. And I'm going to reflect what's in my heart. And if all of I'm filling my life with and my heart with are, are, are songs and, and shows and, and, and all the stuff that is, not, is in conflict with what I believe, I'm going, to, I'm going to change some of that. Because I want to put some more good things in so the more good things will come out. Maybe that's what I don't know. Maybe, I mean, I see in Christian life people go through a process. They first, they first come to life and they put their faith in Christ. I'm like, yay! And then they begin to grow and they see, see some changes in their life. And then at some point, the switch actually flips. And they go, whoa, I'm not just here for me. I'm here for other people. And that's a hard switch to flip too. Because then you got to start going, whoa, maybe i got to do things that aren't easy. Maybe i got to step out of my comfort zone. Maybe I've got to serve. Maybe i got to sacrifice. Maybe i got to tell someone about Christ actually. And the beauty is if we do any of these things, God works in and through us and does amazing things to accomplish His work because He's the one who's called us. He's the one who's empowering us. He's the one who's working through us. And He's the one enabling us to do it all. And that's what happens with Paul. And that's what's happened in all the centuries since then. And that's what happens in us today. Regardless of age, regardless of education, regardless of background, God calls us to do hard things, empowers us to do so, and, and we can pursue it and we can enjoy seeing Him work. I, I hope you've had the experience of looking back and going, Man, God, that was brutal, that was difficult, that was crazy. And that was awesome! I mean, haven't you had that experience before? Where you've stepped up by faith and God has done something and you go, Man, I would not give that up for anything! I wouldn't give that up for anything! Well, if you haven't had that experience, I invite you. Because it is available and welcome for you now. Because we have a real God who really acts and moves in and through us. And He invites us to do hard things. And that's what Paul's doing. People are trying to talk him out of it. He said, nuh-uh. I'm committed. No matter what it is. But today we're going to celebrate communion. And we get to see the Savior who modeled this perfectly. Here's our Savior in the garden the night before. He says, God, you know... If, if it's okay, can, we, can I pass on this? Not my will, but yours. Not my will, but yours. We don't have to say it's easy. We don't have to say that what God's called us to do. We don't have to lie and say, Oh great God, that sounds awesome. Jesus didn't do that. He's crying like, like drops of blood falling off his head. He's saying, God... I mean, three times he goes back and off the garden. He asks his disciples to pray and they keep falling asleep. And he's like, if it's possible, take this cup from me. But not my will, but thine. And because he did that for us, he accomplished salvation. He paid the penalty for our sins. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That happened at the cross. And that's what we're going to celebrate today. I tell you, if you've put your faith in Christ, you're welcome to participate. Doesn't matter if you're a member of this church or some other church or whatever, or no church. 
If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of your sins, then you're a member of God's family. And this is a family table. So what we're going to do, the way we celebrate communion here, is I'm going to, I'm going to have a, a plate. There's three tables. There's a plate here that has bread already broken and a cup where there's juice. Brian, and they're going to play some, some music in the background. And you can just come to any one of the tables. Tear off a piece of the bread. Dip it in the juice. And eat it right there. And in this time of reflection, I want you to do two things. I want you to thank Jesus for what He did for you and for me. But He did the hard thing the Father asked Him to do so that we might have salvation. And I want you also to ask Him, God, is there something hard you want me to do? Is there something hard you want me to do? And thanks to Brian, if you could come lead us. And I'll, I'll pray for us now, and then when I say amen, just when you feel ready, stand up and go to any of the tables, um, and you can serve communion. So I'll pray for us. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to look at your word today. We thank you for the opportunity to, to celebrate the Lord's table. To remember and to celebrate that you have given us forgiveness in life. Freely. Without us having to earn it. Thank you that we can celebrate that together today. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.